Welcome to Fintech Insider Focus in association with Visa. Our once insular world of financial services is now a global phenomenon, and there are people everywhere opening up new markets and discovering new challenges like never before. In this strand of Fintech Insider, we're taking a burning question from financial services across the globe and really putting it under the microscope with explainers, expert panels, and in-depth interviews, all to bring the global community into focus. See what we did there. This month, the question we're getting our heads around is, what is stopping super apps from succeeding outside of Asia? Before we can even begin to answer this one, let's maybe take a step back and look at super apps more as a concept. In its plainest terms possible, a super app is a singular smartphone app with several other features and apps within it. The term is said to have been coined way back in 2010 by BlackBerry founder Mike Lazaridis, who described it as a closed ecosystem of many apps that people would use every day because they offered such a seamless, integrated, contextualized, and efficient experience. What this definition is potentially missing is the sheer scale required to be a true super app, with mass adoption being the key to customers feeling comfortable operating with just one provider, because all their friends, their family, employees are all on it, as well as the services that they actually need. The appeal for companies to strive for super app status is pretty obvious when you learn that users are spending an estimated $380 billion worldwide on in-app purchases alone. Why would companies not look to carve out a bigger piece of that pie for themselves? The most successful real-world example of a true super app to date can be found in China with Tencent's WeChat. Beginning as something of a WhatsApp clone back in 2011, specializing in voice messages, WeChat then branched out into a social network before adding payments, e-commerce, and many more things as well. Now with around 1.1 billion active users, that's right, 1.1 billion, Tencent has licenses to operate mobile payments, insurance, microfinancing, and investing, all within the WeChat Messenger platform. Pretty super indeed, right? The conditions which have made WeChat China's super app superstar may prove difficult though to replicate elsewhere, but this has not stopped others trying. Tech companies in every corner of the world are looking at this successful model and thinking, well, if they can do it, why can't we? We'll get into that and much more after a quick message from Visa. Visa's FinTech Fast Track program is streamlining the onboarding process for FinTechs, enabling them to gain access to Visa's powerful capabilities and network. Visa and their enablement partners help FinTechs launch and scale cards, virtual credentials, and disbursement programs. To learn more, visit partner.visa.com. Welcome back to Fintech Insider Focus. Uh, we want to take this conversation about the potential of super apps across the world a little bit wider. So we've put together a panel of experts to really dig into the question, what is stopping super apps from succeeding outside of Asia? Firstly, we have my Fintech Insider Focus co-host for today, Alex McCrea, who is the head of Simia. I think I'm getting that right, Alex. I always get that one wrong. But Simia for Fintech Partnerships at Visa. How are you doing? Thank you, David. It's great to be here. Doing well, thank you. And you did get that right. It is, uh, Simia stands for Central and Eastern Europe, Middle East and Africa. Nice to see you and nice to be with you today. Very, very good. And this is obviously a topic that's very close to your, your heart. I mean, tell me a little bit more about why Super Apps is, is interesting to you guys at, at Visa. Uh, firstly, I think Super Apps, you know, 
they have all have an interesting story to tell. They all have a different starting point. We see some super apps starting from financial services, some from telco mobile money, some from marketplaces, some from social media, some start out in sharing economy or big tech, right? So, so from my perspective, each super app has an incredible story to tell first and foremost. I think there are three things that I find extremely interesting about super apps. The first is really around inclusion and accessibility. Uh, super apps are for everyone. We've seen in our region, so I'm coming from a Central and Eastern Europe, Middle East and Africa perspective, and we've certainly seen in our region that digital inclusion is outpacing financial inclusion. I think we see 60% plus of mobile phone penetration in this region versus about sort of 40% or a little over 40% financial inclusion. So we see super apps as a great way of driving um, social impact and financial inclusion. I think the second thing is that... Um, you know, they're serving consumer needs. You know, super apps aim to serve pretty much every consumer need that we have, whether you're wanting to split bills with your friends, whether you want to pay utility bills, whether you want to order, you know, car service or food delivery, you know, manage your loyalty points, you know, arrange tickets. You know, they literally are trying to serve every need um, that, that you might have. And every time I speak to the guests that you'll hear from in a moment, they're telling me about new capabilities they've just launched or about to launch. So it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. And lastly, and I think where we come in, where myself, uh, my team and the, and the Visa team come in is, is around payments. Nearly all, you know, all super apps launch some sort of payment service at some point in their journey or, or have one from the, from the beginning. Um, and that's what we're really excited about, whether it's credentials, you know, so Visa cards that come with a super app, whether it's something at the back end that we're enabling payments to be made within those third party apps whether it's funds transfer capabilities, microloans, lending, um, there's, there's an awful lot of sort of payment capability, which we like to think is frictionless and seamless. So those are just some of the things that I think are really interesting to us. It's really around inclusion, you know, serving all consumer needs and really around payments as a sort of frictionless experience. Fantastic. And uh, as you say, uh, such a broad ranging topic, such a, a great conversation to dig into. And and from super apps to super guests, and we have some super guests on the show today. So uh, starting off, we have Waleed Sadiq, who is founder and CEO at PaySky. Um, thank you very much for joining us, Waleed. How's it going today? A pleasure. Uh, we're going very well, very well. Thank you very much, David. Very, very good. Well, tell the listeners a little bit more about PaySky. What do you guys do? Uh, what are you up to? Right. Um, so basically, uh, I personally have been in that space for over a decade now. I had the pleasure of uh, being on, on the different side of the equation while I served as the head of innovations and, uh, at Visa for some time. And then I moved with Visa to London to manage strategy for Samir region as well. So working with 80 plus markets, you get to see a lot of uh, market requirements, market conditions, uh, multiple evolutionary stages. And along these lines, you will see a pattern of evolution happening. And it was definitely that there is a, a demand for digital offering for financial services and specifically payment solutions. And based on the current setup infrastructure and, and capabilities of the incumbents, there was a gap in offering these expectations. So that was the idea behind PaySky. So Lisa put together a super team to build PaySky and that basically is a digital platform to digitize payments on both ends. Uh, on one end, we've built a super payment gateway that digitizes acceptance from different payment methods and different payment channels and manage all the process in between. Um, and now we are serving uh, complete markets in, in Africa and the Middle East using these platforms. 
uh, white labeling them to banks, telecom operators, and central banks in some cases co to operate complete markets. On the other hand, we have another solution for consumers, which is uh, a white labeled super app platform uh, that comes with a built-in payment engine uh, based on a Visa prepaid card. So think of it like the lightest form of a digital bank account that you can op open with the maximum utility you can attain from a, a rich app like a super app. Think of it again like blending one of the models of the East of Alipay, WeChat Pay, or Paytm with the standardized model of a digital neobank of the West like Revolut and Monzo. Uh, comes a very kind of uh, aggressive proposition and, and very fruitful as I will be sharing with you today what we've done with this proposition in different markets. Very, very cool. Uh, your investors were nearly panicking a little bit when you said you left the company, but uh, other than that, that all sounds, uh, sounds thoroughly, uh, thoroughly in, in interesting. But uh, I thought we had some breaking news right there, right there. But uh, uh, And last but by no means least, um, we have Madia Satar, who is the VP over at Kareem Pay. Uh, welcome to the show, Madia. How's, uh, how's things going? And uh, tell our audience a little bit more about what you guys do. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on. Excited to be here. So uh, I help lead Kareem Pay, which is the fintech arm of Kareem. A uh, bit of background on Kareem. We are the leading everyday super app of the Middle East, North Africa, and Pakistan region. Um, to Alex's point of different super apps having different stories, we started out as a ride-hailing app, and now we offer mobility more broadly, deliveries, payments, on-demand services, etc., uh, we have about 50 million users and 2 million registered captains who do our rides and deliveries, uh, as well as all of our merchants across our food, payments and groceries businesses. Uh, and we're present in about 10 markets uh, in the region. Uh, 2020 was our 10th year and we recently completed a billion rides. So that was a that was a big milestone for us. Um, we're also a platform. So we've added services provided by third party apps which uh, gives customers more choice and value and helps emerging apps to scale their distribution by leveraging Kareem's uh, infrastructure and distribution capabilities. Coming to Kareem Pay, which is the business that I help lead, it's our fintech business. Uh, we develop fintech products for our consumers, captains, and our merchants. And we also support the payment acceptance needs of the entire Kareem platform across all its services uh, and third-party merchants as well. So in the UAE, for example, we are now live with a digital wallet, a P2P money transfer product, international money transfer or remittance, uh, bill payments, as well as a one-click uh, checkout product. Also a full suite of fintech products there. Um, and yeah, to, to Alex's point, you know, our story started with ride hailing uh, before we and, and we sort of went from there. And when it comes to payments, we're fortunate that for a decade, uh, we built all of the infrastructure that supports payment acceptance for the other Kareem services. We were accepting cash for rides before our competitors were, uh, as an example. Uh, we've built all of that payment processing and acceptance infrastructure, all of the fraud and risk infrastructure that comes with that. And so we were able to really leverage that when we decided to launch FinTech products. And so, yes, payments has been core from day one, and we've now leveraged that to, to launch uh, payments use cases directly. It's um it's fascinating. I mean, it's such an interesting story and origin, and and as you say, almost uh, the company success has caused problems that actually you've been able to then solve for, which is phenomenal, isn't it? In that in that way, but we'll unpack that in a little bit more before we dive in. I just want to kind of remind all of the listeners: the views and opinions of the panel are their own, 
Uh, they don't necessarily flag those of their companies that they're representing. And as always, please don't take anything you hear as financial advice. Don't go investing in things. I mean, well, he might just decide to leave the company. You know, you just got to be really careful and <laughs> like, announce it on a podcast. So uh, do your own research on the, on these things is uh, is really the point that I'm trying to make. So maybe if we, we jump sort of straight into it, because we, I mean, uh, Maddie, there, there was lots of great cases for super apps in this construct and, and particularly in the... As I'm saying, I mean, friends that I've got at Shopify sounded very similar to the story that you're you're telling, which is their exponential growth created strains within their own organization, which fintech solutions were able to solve for. So, I mean, is that the biggest plus, do you think, when it comes to either for uh, the integration of fintech capability into a super app from a business perspective? But then I guess also on the flip side of that, how does this all tie together for the consumer? Yeah, it's a really good question. Sort of, there's an obvious answer, which is customers look for convenience in a super app, right? But it's a little bit more than that. I mean, at least speaking from the Minapi region, as I mentioned earlier, trust is a big factor, right? So customers don't necessarily trust any regional app or any local app with their personal information, with their payment methods, et cetera. Once they build trust in a certain brand, and, and we've been fortunate and blessed to have been able to build that trust with customers over time, uh, we have millions of cards on file, for example, that customers have saved with us across the region. All right, And we're now able to leverage that in our one-click checkout product, where we're bringing that cards on file already so that the merchant that's consuming our one-click checkout product doesn't need that payment information of the customer and the customer doesn't have to go through the pain uh, of entering all of that information along with their delivery address, their contact information, their card information. All of that is safely and securely stored with Kareem. They trust Kareem. It's a brand they trust. Um, and so that's a real value add of a super app, uh, right? Um, one other value add in a region uh, such as ours is we don't necessarily have super strong specialist apps in different verticals right? Uh, homegrown, super strong in different verticals. So if you can meet multiple needs of customers and ensure a certain level of quality across multiple verticals, that becomes super attractive uh, to a user, right? So I think trust is a big part of that. Um, I think quality is a big part of that. Uh, and it the, similarly, with fintech, right, when we talk about the traditional players in the region, they're not necessarily offering great digital experiences. Uh, and I'm talking about the traditional sort of financial services providers. And so that creates room for a super app to also add um, fintech experiences. If you're able to deliver a great experience and you're able to build on that trusted brand uh, and those capabilities that enable us to deliver trust through data protection, fraud controls, et cetera, right? Um, and one last thing I'll add uh, in terms of the value for consumers, there's also the cross-cutting value. So for example, Kareem Plus is our subscription program. At a low price, you're able to get benefits across multiple services, whether it's rides, deliveries, home services, et cetera. So, so that sort of cross-cutting value uh, whether it's in the form of uh, discounts or better experiences across multiple services becomes a real value for a for a consumer coming to a super app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a definite um, ease, and and these things work most effectively at scale, as you say. And that, I mean, Alex, what do, what do you think for the the case for super apps in this way? What what, what do you really see as the the major business or or, or customer real benefit? I'll probably underscore what um, Maddie had just shared. Actually, so it's really around convenience. Um, we see that uh, the super apps uh, certainly exist in this region offer a one-stop shop, right? So you can pretty much get everything in one place. You don't have to shop around. It saves time and money. Um, you know, I think it's it's really around convenience. And then it's about customer experience. Uh, David, I don't know if you've got a lot of experience here, but 
some of the best experiences I've had have actually been sort of using super apps. It's pretty frictionless, ability to make payments, ability to get sort of, um, you know, offers, so on and so forth. It's it's just great customer experience. I think they're the main cases in my mind for um, super apps. I don't know if we'll lead, if, if you've got a different view or anything else you would add to that. Well, for us, actually, the, the super app concept came as a natural extension of what, how we started as a financial services app. So we started at the pay, as a payment uh, application that comes with a prepaid card that basically worked on the financial inclusion dimension. Egypt, where we started, is, is heavily unbanked. It's 70% of the population is unbanked. So uh, by availing a very simple digital financial service account that they can order from an app, uh, uh, open from an app and order the card delivered the next day was something that was unheard of. And the traction and the momentum around this made us think that people would need the card to eventually do payments. And when they do payments, they would want to go to different websites, different apps. And uh, if we could kind of collate these services within one single application, we will in, kind of encourage the customers to use these channels for possibly cross-selling these uh, propositions. And moreover, we started to create synergies between the different use cases. For example, um, you're checking out from uh, uh, our yellow travel use case. Uh, we can propose and cross-sell to you a yellow insurance, travel insurance policy. Uh, you, are, uh, you are browsing our yellow mall use case. Uh, we call it mini app. We are browsing the yellow mall mini app and you like a phone, but you, don't, you cannot afford it now. You can start a saving box in the yellow money use case or mini app so that you can start to, we call, we call it save now, buy later. When you reach the target price you uh, for that phone, we'll order that phone from our mall and deliver that to you. So it started to create inter-ecosystem, if you will, uh, synergies that our customers loved. And that's why in, in a very, very short time from launching the Yalla Super App and Yalla Card in partnership with Visa in Egypt, we have onboarded uh, uh, over one million customers in less than eight months, which is a, a, a kind of a, um, a groundbreaking uh, uh, achievement in the Egyptian market by all measures, given that the whole market has less than 30 million cards uh, in, 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 in decades of service. So uh, I believe the, the interconnectivity uh, and the synergies that we can create from the, uh, within the super app ecosystem is something that is, is beyond convenience. It's, it's, it's kind of reading the customer's mind and proposing services that are based on their preference and the previous in encounters with us. And that's based around the data. You know this old proverb that the banks knows more about you than your wife? I think we know more about, your more about you than your wife and the bank. So uh, at least our algorithms does. So uh, by seeing how you browse and the, the data, you, the items you put in your favorites and where you place your orders, and not just from a, a purchasing per perspective like you would do on an e-commerce marketplace, but we'll also you see when you travel and your preferences for travel and how you get paid and how you pay out. So all of these data coming together will build a, a, a more comprehensive idea about our customers, enabling us to serve them better. So I want to kind of avoid this just being a love-in because like, like this is like a big pro you're like we're all super pro super apps here right but what's the case against this then because obviously you know madia you're going to tell me there is no case against this i can i can already hear it in that sense and that's that's understandable but there's got to be sort of negatives here i mean one one that i would offer is i mean big banks struggle with information architecture just in the financial services construct in order to uh, surface all of the complexities of an individual's financial life. 
Uh, and really what we're talking about, I mean, super apps are pretty badly named in, in my view. They're not really apps, they're operating systems. They are much broader construct than just, hey, we've got four things in our navigational structure and which one of these things do you want to engage with? So, I mean, Maddie, how, how do you how do you traverse that complexity? Because, you know, on one hand, if you're ride hailing or you've got all of the integrations around financial services, you've got all of the broader construct of all of the different other industries that you you impact. I mean, there's some UX people with a pretty, you know, strong headache, I imagine, right? Absolutely. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. The question is, how do you provide or surface the right services to the right user at the right time? Right. And that's really absolutely it's not just a UX uh, topic. It's also a data problem. Uh, it's also a marketing problem. Right. So, yes, there's a lot of time and thinking being spent on how do we figure out what each of these customers want. The benefit of having a super app is that you do have great insight into customer preferences across multiple services. Right. The question is, how best can you utilize that? And then how do you make it relevant to the customer such that they're not seeing 17 things they're not interested in? Right. Um, so absolutely, that's a that's a challenge. But let me add a couple of other interesting ones as well. One is how do you have your brand reflect the super app brand, right? So as a, as a business owner or product owner trying to launch Kareem Pay, Kareem is still primarily for many users still associated with ride hailing. And of course, we work very hard to sort of develop that brand perception uh, where food is a big part of what we do. Grocery delivery is a big part of what we do. Payments now is a big part of what we do. But it requires a lot more education for Kareem Pay than it would for a fintech app that has always been a fintech app, right? So, so that's another piece I would point out. And then lastly, I would say you, we have to make sure that every experience we're delivering is a great experience. I mentioned this earlier we don't have super strong specialist apps in every vertical in this region, which creates an opportunity for a super app. But we also then want to make sure that we're delivering a really great experience across services that are very, very different from the logistics of sort of operating our dog stores to sort of the fraud controls and super simple user experience we want in fintech, right? Um, so it's having to get good at multiple things or being able to bring the best in class on board in terms of integrating third-party apps and then applying the right governance on those third-party apps to meet sure, make sure they're meeting our quality bar. Uh, so those are just uh, some of the they're not None of these are reasons not to be in the super app game, but these are sort of things that we need to achieve and challenges we need to overcome. Yeah. I mean, uh, anything you'd like to add to that, Alex? Because, I mean, it's an interesting point, isn't it? And actually, if we if we look at multiple data points and we stand back from what Maddie is saying, but also the other examples of super apps around the world, most of them don't start in financial services. I mean, financial services is getting super excited about it. But actually, are we are we starting at the wrong place? Uh, you know, you say uh, with Maddie, you know, uh, Kareem has got a, a great brand that it can it can pivot into these things because of everything that's there. But I mean, Alex, what what do you think? Is this a, is this a we're getting excited, but maybe we're starting at the wrong place? It's a really good question because I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that, David. Um, you know, as I said earlier, you, you know, super apps start from very different points and offer different capabilities and services. You know, throughout their journey, there are some limitations. You know, we are super pro about super apps. But there are definitely some limitations um, building on Adi's last point um, around en engaging the brand, you know, that, that she was just explaining, you know, Kareem is commonly associated with ride hailing. But now if you look at the Kareem super app, you know, ride hailing is one of the last things to see on that sort of app. And you can literally do everything in one one place. 
One of the, some of the challenges I see are not too dissimilar from digital banks, right? So one of them is you want to engage with the brand physically sometimes, right? So, you know, with a super app, with a digital bank, you can't walk in. There is no branch. There's no, um, that's not a bad thing, as, as we know, David, but there's sometimes you, as a customer, you do want to engage physically with that brand. I think Medija, Walid have got some great examples. I'll let them talk to that, but some ways that, uh, Kareem and Pesca Yala have uh, done some activations, engaged with the brand in countries differently. It's really interesting. I think other challenges around um, sort of getting the customer experience right, um, as Midi have just also saying, you know, it's it's difficult knowing what customers need at the right time and continually refining, you know, and in, in, in improving on your customer experience. Loans, Waleed and I were talking recently, you know, we're not able to deliver the services we'd like at the right time always. You know, sometimes super apps rely heavily on partnerships. You know, it's not always possible for a super app to get regulatory approval or to do lending or provide insurance in-house or provide remittance in-house. So those partnerships are key, but they do take time to deliver. So sometimes it's around limitations of what the super app provider can do and dependencies on key partners. And one other issue that's associated with all digital service providers is um, data privacy and uh, data sharing. And this goes back to the trust point, because, you know, these are lovable brands, you know, interact with them on a daily basis, you naturally trust this brand. And as long as um, consumers are aware of, you know, how data is stored and managed, then you're very happy, in most cases, to continue using an extension of those sort of core services. So hopefully that answers the question, David, there in terms of some of those challenges and starting at the right and wrong point and some of the um, issues we we find ourselves up against. Yeah, I mean, it is a it is a fascinating challenge, isn't it? Because actually, uh, you know, I wonder and just, you know, through through this conversation, how much overlapping circles between the narratives around embedded finance and super apps are, are, are so intertwined because actually you know a lot of what we're talking about here is is actually and again uh, Maria your 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 points around actually look, taking down a finance route makes total sense from a value chain perspective for your organization and actually being brilliant about something that actually is uh, a, a great uh, additional revenue opportunity within your organization makes so much sense in that way. But first of all, you've got to build the trust. First of all, you've got to build the brand. First of all, you've got to build the the loyalty. And once you have that, then actually this is one step on many steps, I'm sure, that actually through success breeds the opportunity to pursue. So it's it really is um, a fascinating one in that sense. I go really back to my point that I don't think any super app starts as a super app and it's very unlikely they start with the intention to be one. I think you start by solving a, a problem for a consumer and that success really allows you to solve the next problem, doesn't it, in that way? But um, Waleed, what, what do you think? Is this a series of building more and more capabilities, solving more customer problems? Often when you solve a problem, you create three others that you can solve as well. But, uh, you know, is, is, this a, is this an industry that's almost um, uh, being able to address these problems because digital has really sort of got to a different place? You know, we, at 11FS, we talk about digital riches. Uh, you know, this isn't about digitized banking. It's about real-time, intelligent, contextual, human, extendable, and social. A lot of the stuff that we're talking about here is about really contextualizing to the surface and solving real problems in that way. Yes, I totally agree. And I think that is why uh, super apps are, are surfacing now and becoming a, a very prominent choice for customers in, in multiple markets. And uh, when you think at, uh, look at the emergence of super apps coming from the East, it's primarily from markets that are heavily populated, uh, massively underserved, and becoming very quickly digital. 
So uh, basically, as they say, you start late, but you start with the latest. And that's exactly what's happening. They are riding on this wave of digital transformation to reach customers and, and limits that traditional incumbents with brick and mortar models are, are very, very hard to reach, as well as will have very high cost to serve if they would want to reach. So uh, that is why it's now happening in this kind of evolutionary curve of, uh, of digital and, and technology evolution. Uh, one major aspect on server apps and uh, as well as the, uh, the ability to cross monetize from the different use cases. So if you would just open a digital bank in, an, in a developing or emerging economy, you would suffer for a few years of, of uh, negative performance in terms of revenues and profitability because they're only serving a very specialized niche that might have its own challenges and price pressure, which other incumbents and competitions will put on you. But having different monetization streams within the this, this super app ecosystem can enhance the unit economics of that performance uh, per customer and per transaction. And then at the, at the end, you can have a more healthy business that can grow using the other revenue streams that you can generate, which makes perfect sense for the region that we're in. That makes a lot of sense. And is this what really creates that, uh, again, scale is so important in any organization in driving efficiency across these things. So, you know, is, is that really what attracts so many companies to this? Because the the market is so significant once you've got that momentum. I mean, that I mean, Maddie, maybe pointing that one to you is you guys are driving down that road particularly, but without, as you say, the strong competition in the region for all of those different slices of opportunities that lay ahead of you, then, you know, solving as many of those problems as you can, that market is massive, isn't it? Yeah, I think even before we get to the opportunity, it's also about uh, Kareem's purpose, right? And our our purpose, if you read it, is to simplify life in the region. Um, and uh, you cannot simplify life without simplifying payments, right? So we we, we simplified mobility, uh, we tried to simplify deliveries, and then we were like, well, you know, payments is such a core part of people's lives that that's a natural extension in terms of the purpose of our uh, of what we've set out to do, right? Uh, life in life in our region can be needlessly complex, and we think we can simplify through great product and tech experiences. Um, so that sort of helps us bring our mission together. But then more from a, a sustainability point of view, uh, definitely there's a customer acquisition cost that it lowers, right? If we were to launch a, a, a rides app and a food app and a fintech app, uh, really the cost of acquiring customers to all of these different apps and brands would be would be unsustainable, right? So there's a, there's a clear uh, play in terms of customer acquisition cost. The other point is because we have such a comprehensive view of customer preferences across multiple different use cases, we're also able to understand Understand that customer better and then surface the most relevant service to that customer, which then increases the conversion rate of that customer, right? So I think uh, that also is another important point. And then um, one other consideration that is very specific to this region is that the TAM or the total addressable market of each of these individual services may not be large enough in dollar terms to support a large sort of very, very scaled um, tech player, right? And in order for us to achieve that scale, uh, we do have to address multiple customer pain points across multiple verticals and needs. Um, so that's where we see the real value of scale simplifying lives across uh, all of the daily needs of a customer, um, right? And then of course we can share those 
savings back with uh, with customers, right? And again, uh, referencing our our Kareem Plus subscription program, uh, the users that are on a subscription program, you know, use three to four uh, that their monthly transactions are three to four times higher. They're thirty percent more likely to be retained on the platform, etc. So uh, that scale that enables us then to also share those uh, that value back with the customer or our captains or our merchants. Okay. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. As you say, that, that point around addressable market is really interesting. You know, often necessity sort of uh, really uh, is the, the mother of innovation in that sense. And, and building out those revenue models to, to support in that region is, is, is fascinating. I mean, that, we've definitely seen that in other regions as well. You know, you'd sort of point to uh, the Singaporean market in a very similar way, not a, in, in Hong Kong potentially as well. You've not, not huge populations, but actually the, the different opportunities to broaden the capability, particularly off the back of a, a brand that people have got a, a great level of affinity with. I mean, Alex, this goes back again for me, and I, I, I feel like I'm throwing the, 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 um, the hospital passes to you repeatedly on this one, but but going back to you know, there's a lot of people who listen to the show who are sitting in banks. I mean, is this a is this an opportunity or is this a threat to them? Because I I think it's a, an interesting thing that most you know you spoke to most banks across the world, they will have some view of whether they have a strategy or a, and whether that's an offensive one that this is an opportunity for them or or whether it's a defensive one in terms of look we see this happening in markets and we're going to have to do something about it because. Really, at, the, at this stage, you know, even if they took a, a defensive strategy and or and let, allowed themselves to be integrated into these things, I mean, it's a very different world if you're not uh, really owning and, and developing and and being part of that customer engagement. So, uh, super apps are they a, are they a threat or an opportunity? Do you think? They're not hospital passes. <laughs> but, I, but if we get time, I'd love to ask a few questions of my own back at you. Um, I, look, I don't think they're a threat. I think they're an opportunity. I, I think those opportunities are not always understood or not always clear. And I think some traditional financial institutions are still figuring out that, you know, what the, the collaboration model looks like. Um, you know, Visa, I know, noting the disclaimer earlier, just, you know, our, our mission is to sort of uplift everyone everywhere. And central to that mission is to drive social impact, um, drive inclusion, you know, expand access. And I think when you think of traditional banks, David, they, they are focusing on traditional clients for the most part, right? You know, these are banked customers, sort of known quantities. And I think one of the things that excites me personally, but also, you know, Visa, and I'm sure many of our listeners is the fact that it's, it is a chance to reach very new audiences, um, underbanked and underserved customers and provide them with something that they wouldn't get from traditional partners. I think that's an opportunity for traditional financial institutions as well, ability to also reach those new audiences um, to provide, to extend microloans or microservices or funds transfer capabilities or insurance or other lending products, those sorts of things to you know, by by working with Walid and, and Madiha's respective organizations to reach those new audiences. That's what's really cool and really exciting. Um, ability to co-develop, you know, I think, you know, from a bank's perspective, you made reference this earlier, you know, they don't always have the most advanced systems. I'm being kind here. Um, so partnering with, um, you know, Cream or, or a PaySky, you've got a chance to co-develop, create and release something with a speed that I think few people can match. Um, you know, I think so that that opportunity, if you're wanting to test a capability, you know, reach new audiences um, or launch in a new market, I think it's just one of the incredible opportunity for a financial institution. Um, and lastly, sort of partnerships are key. You know, I think banks need to figure out, you know, what they want to get. You know, 
and 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 sort of super apps. I think open to these discussions and, and partnerships. We've Visa's played a central role in introducing banks and traditional financial institutions with non-traditional financial institutions. That's a big focus for us. It's not just serving the needs of both partners, but it's that you know forging, helping to forge those relationships because then you get synergies that are just really exciting and, and benefit everyone. Um, so yeah. I think that answers the question for me. It's it's very much an opportunity, but you know it still needs to be sort of understood and explored more. Yeah, fascinating. I mean, uh, as you say, opportunities or, or threats are uh, uh, often uh, uh, in the eyes of the beholder, aren't they? In uh, in that sense, and, and I think that is a, a a very interesting point. And I think in all of this, I think the the beautiful thing is often, and we've worked in an industry for a long period of time that maybe didn't have the competitive edges to people coming in who fully and totally understand technology, as you say, you know, there's, uh, I imagine there's no uh, single view of customer strategy transformation program happening in either of your companies, you know, so being able to really use these things and make these things happen is a critical part of actually technologically enabling an industry in that way. I, I, I do keep coming back to the point, though, how critical is financial services? Because really, and the beautiful thing seems to be with super apps is is not really the financial services bit. It it's surfacing the problem, and financial services just happens to be the solution to that. In that sense, whether it's payments or lending or anything, you know, the the end, uh, the last yard, on in that sense might be something to do with FS. But so often it's just the great user experience, great usage of data surfacing those things. I, I guess one one thing to maybe look at, and you know, we we really heavily. Uh, caveated this uh, this this question at the beginning of uh, you know what is stopping super apps from succeeding outside of Asia? Now, Mario, you're obviously going to say they are succeeding outside of Asia. Dubai is obviously a, a very good uh, you know fruitful ground for this type of change happening as well. Um, but maybe we should sort of point to just because it works in one place doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work in a in another region. And I, and I think you know Safaricom and everything with M-Pesa is always pointed to as a a good bad example in that sense, you know, worked amazingly well. Fundamental uh, fabric changer for financial services in a, a particular part of Africa, and you know, copy and paste that to another region, and that doesn't work so well. And I mean, arguably, we would say the same thing with very large, you know, international banks. You take one functionality that works amazingly well in Hong Kong for HSBC, and put it in the UK, and you know, maybe people don't care because of the different mechanisms. So. So do you think there is a, a huge amount of sort of cultural nuances in these different regions that are going to make this work or not? And, and what do you think they might be? I mean, Wally, that's a, it's a very long question, possibly several questions there. But uh, do, you, do you think the regional focus of where these things have been successful is, is actually a big part of their success in the first place? I think that the, the, there was, um, again, um, a, a, a digital transformation curve and uh, evolutionary process that was happening in these markets and a necessity uh, by the population and by the inhabitants to have access to better services. And we let's not also forget uh, a very willful and, and diligent approach from the government and regulators to make this happen as well by mandating a lot of, uh, of, of activities in, uh, to happen electronically in many of these markets, demonetization and, and cancelling some of the currency notes up to that extent in, 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 in India, for example, at some point of time, pushed a lot of the population to go and put their funds in electronic form for not to, to lose them. So uh, all the factors coming together, working together, leading to the, the transformation to happen led to that kind of transformation. But um, uh, I, I, arguably, I, I believe that this 
can also be replicated in other markets, specifically developing countries and developing economies suffering the same side effects of uh, the previous underserving of population by financial services. Uh, I, I, would, I would namely name uh, uh, the Middle East and, and Africa. We've had a brilliant experience uh, that I would like to share with in, in launching our uh, card and, and money app initially that became then a super app, which is the yellow super app and card now, Visa card. So basically we started in, by partnering with the leading financial institution and then hence touching back on your question, uh, is it uh, a threat or opportunity? Some of the financial institutions thought that this is too complex to operate, too complex to be part of, and potentially disruptive to their own models. So they, they kept on kind of stalling and making decisions. Till we landed uh, another financial institution that was very open-minded and forward-looking that thought uh, this will bring me customers, will bring me transactions, will allow me to cross-sell more products. And if I can work closely with this partner, I might not have a risk of, of changing that supplier. And basically we worked very closely. And of course, Visa was also uh, uh, played a pivotal part in this. And after reaching this agreement, we had a beautiful formula of collaboration they provide the infrastructure, they provide the licensing, they provide part of the technology as well when it comes to the core components. And then we provide all the innovation layer, if you want. We provide the digital layer, the, 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 the customer experience interfaces, all the new ideas, all the new uh, uh, partnerships that we bring to this equation. So uh, I think we have done what, based on the numbers and based on previous market records, this was a major achievement in the Egyptian market to, to kind of bank uh, 1 million customers in less than eight months uh, and, and processing uh, uh, millions of transactions and billions of Egyptian pounds in such a short duration with double-digit growth month on month, not not uh, quarterly. So uh, this story is scalable. We are scaling this now to UE and from there to more uh, populous markets like Pakistan, which we'll be launching later on this quarter. Fascinating. When you get it right, People use it at scale, right? And uh, I think that's the thing that we've sort of seen maybe globally as well is, uh, you know, success scales really effectively digitally. Uh, and uh, I guess back to that point around the the physical nature of, uh, you know, traditional financial services or traditional problem solving, it uh, didn't quite scale as uh, as effectively as uh, as this would be, definitely not cost effectively or uh, from a virality perspective. So, I, I mean, look, there's a, there's a, huge amounts of pros there's there's huge amounts of opportunities there's still huge amounts of problems to solve and slices of opportunity across all different types of industries that you know again for me success breeds the the ability to sort of tackle into so uh, you know i i think we're probably concluding on this one that actually there is real success happening outside of asia with with super apps and and really probably we're only just starting to scratch the surface in terms of uh, what's beyond super apps uh, i'm looking for another superlative in terms of a description of them in that sense. But for me, I, I think, again, it goes, Alex, to your point, this is, uh, this is a, um, a transitionary period. And for me, we get to operating systems, not just apps in that sense, in terms of where they can be. But uh, um, on that note, I think we're probably running out of time at this stage. We'll definitely have to have you all, all guys all back to discuss this subject a little bit further in a, a little bit more detail, because it, it's going to keep changing. It's going to keep evolving. But sadly, that does wrap up this set, uh, edition of FinTech Insider Focus in association with Visa. Thank you so much to our panel for joining us. Where can people learn a little bit more about you and your companies? Uh, Waleed, starting with you. Uh, right, so uh, our solutions are uh, propositions to be reached on our website, payskyde.io. I personally can be reached over LinkedIn. Uh, that would be the best way to reach me and have it for discussion for Thank you. Very good. Uh, Maria, where can people learn about you and all the great stuff you're up to in Dubai? 
Uh, you can look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, my personal LinkedIn is Madiha-Sattar. Uh, that's S-A-T-T-A-R. Uh, or you can look up Kareem.com, which is our company page. It has some uh, dedicated information on Kareem Pay as well and all of the fintech use cases that we are providing. Fantastic. And Alex, where can people learn a little bit more about what you're up to? So um, please check out the, the Visa standard website. I think there's um, a section of that website which detail our partner programs in particular, some of the fintech relevant programs. So take a look at Visa's website and please look me up. Give me a message. I'm Alex McRae. I'm on LinkedIn. Just type in Alex space MCCR and it should come up. Very, very good. Uh, as for me, you can find me always lurking on LinkedIn these days. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to leave us a review. It helps us make it better and helps other people find the show as well. For more information and more information on this discussion, look out for the next episode of Fintech Insider Focused in two weeks' time. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.